Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet starting at $19.99 per month offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to 1 gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8th, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers for The Last of Us, Episode 5. Hello, my name is Jason Concepcion. And I'm Rosie Knight. And welcome to X-Ray Vision, the Crooked Media Podcast, where we are diving deep all the way down to the sinkhole beneath Kansas City, where we talk about your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture. In this episode, we're digging into episode five of The Last of Us in the airlock. Just going to make you cry again. Sorry. And in Nerd Out, we've got a really brilliant theory about the importance of Marvel video games in the MCU, which feels particularly relevant right now with the way DC is trying to cross those things over. And of course, if you want to jump around, check out the show notes for timestamps. Let's go to the airlock. We're stepping out of the airlock and into the remnants of Kansas City's QZ for episode five of The Last of Us on HBO and HBO Max, titled Endurance Survive. This episode was written by Craig Mazin and directed by Jeremy Webb. And boy, uh, for all the folks who were like, this needs to be more, this show needs to be more like the video game, the last two episodes have given us the more Uh like the video game part of this story and this execution. Yeah, and I I think that a lot of people who played the game after seeing episode three were wondering at the end of episode four if we when we saw Henry and Sam arrive if there would be a kind of Bill and Frank reconsideration. There is in a tiny kind of nuanced moments, but if you're ready to get your heart broken because you saw them, you it's going to happen this episode. It's just brutal. Um, we open in a flashback of uh, what we learn is about 10 days before the arrival of Joel and Ellie in Kansas City, and it is the fall of Fedra in the Kansas City QZ. The rebels, Kathleen's rebels, we are soon to learn, are celebrating their victory with fireworks and flares and chants and freedom and torture and the summary execution of various uh, Fedra soldiers and and citizen collaborators we are soon to meet. Trucks are circling the streets, uh, making the pretty unconvincing announcement that collaborators (laughs) who surrender will receive a fair trial. I'm pretty sure that if you just look out in the streets at what is going on, that that fair trial statement is not really uh, ringing true. I mean, they're like straight up hanging people out here. Yeah. And I also I want to give you a shout out because I do I do feel like even though it was like, you know, Druckmann and Mason had said, oh, there's this kind of revolutionary aspect. I feel like a lot of people, including myself, the first time I watched it, 
uh, in episode four, it was kind of like the Kathleen stuff kind of felt very quick and we didn't really get a lot of insight into her motivations. But you were absolutely right about kind of the space that she takes up in this world. This was an anti-Fedra revolution that yeah. was led by Kathleen, who, as we going to learn, and as you pointed out last week, sees Henry as the reason for like a great loss in her life. And it was kind of crazy to see that just come directly to life here. And it's such a good, this episode is so good at expanding on this kind of moral gray area that the show yeah. is really trafficking in compared to the kind of good in the game you know the hunters they're just evil but here we learn a lot about the lengths people will go to survive that's kind of how i feel like I this episode is i i agree with you that some like the overthrowing fedra i guess you could argue is like certainly it was just listen we find we out know they that were the, hanging people they were we find people. out that fedra here had a reputation for cruelty and that they had a 20-year reign of rape murder and torture I'm all for overthrowing them. I also think, like, it's not 30 seconds into the revolution before the no. thing goes off the rails into like, completely indefensible Yeah, we, we, learn, we learn pretty quickly that there's two versions of what this revolution could be. And it's yeah. because it is Kathleen who's leading it that it goes right. this way. It is a it is a vehicle for her vengeance, we are mm -hmm. soon to learn. So hiding in the streets as this chaos is unfolding is Henry uh, and a young deaf boy, Sam. Henry tells Sam uh, what they're going to do, you know, what the, what the plan is to get out of here uh, using sign language. Uh, and it's basically, hey, stay close to me. We're Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to get out of here. Elsewhere, we see Kathleen lording in her victory over Fedra. She's got a bunch of Fedra uh, prisoners, not even Actual they're not, Fedra. They're, they're collaborators. just collaborators. They're citizen collaborators who informed. People who were doing what they needed to do to survive. Yes. There is a moral grayness there, but that is the yes. the question is some of these people were doing it for unbelievable reasons. And some of them, like she points out, were doing it to like get fresh fruit. Yeah. So it's kind um, of like there's a there's a very strange system that was put in place by fe this fascistic Fedra who were leading the QZ. And you know. Fedra clearly created its antagonist because Kathleen, mm -hmm. she says, we learned that uh, <laughs> we learned uh, that her lieutenant's name is Perry. She says, you know, Perry, I used to be so scared of these people. And now look at them. And she's talking about the thing you were saying, which was um, uh, uh, that apparently these collaborators did what they did in order for access to medicine, to fresh food, to, you know, whatever counts as a luxury in the Kansas mm -hmm. City QZ. And the rest of the population received oppression and torture and probably murder. And she says, did you make, did it make you feel better? Did it make you feel safe? How does it make you feel now? Uh, in this way that you understand that you're not going to get any kind of fair shake with her. No. She insists that there will be trials, although she then says right afterwards, but you're all guilty, so we know how that'll go, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> and then she says, uh, and you'll do some time, uh, but first, you're going to have to basically give up the information on other collaborators. Specifically, the one that Kathleen wants above all others is Henry. Where is Henry? There's no answers. So Kathleen's like, okay, uh, Perry, kill them all. And then so, uh, a guy's like, oh, wait, wait, he's with Edelstein. This is, we are soon to learn, the doctor from the previous mm -hmm. episode. Um, and apparently, um, 
it is a shock to Kathleen that Edelstein was a collaborator. She is she is very surprised to learn this. Um, and the man tells Kathleen that Edelstein has a, he had a safe house somewhere out in the city in case quote things went bad, but he doesn't know where. Um, so Kathleen orders her people to go door to door until Henry is found. And Perry's like, I, I think pretty wisely is like, wait, hold on. We just like literally just had a revolution. Maybe we need to stabilize things. Like we could use uh-huh. people in different places doing different things, not just like hunting for one guy. And Kathleen is like, excuse me? What? She's like, he's not my seventh priority. Like yeah. he is my number one priority. Is he not your number one priority? And it is very clear from this interaction that whatever whatever the reason is that people follow Kathleen, a significant ingredient to that reason is fear. They are yeah. both entranced, but also afraid of her, afraid to cross her in any kind of way. Um, and then he's like, Perry's like, hey, are we really putting him on trial? <laughs> and Kelly's Perry, like, no, no. Come on. Perry, no, babe. What not do you happening. think? Absolutely not. <laughs> Just you bring him up. Why did you have to ask? If you had <laughs> yeah, to ask, on. you know the answer. <laughs> yeah, come on. We got, we got uh, uh, people like, smashing broken bottles into people's jugulars outside. You know, like there's, there's no, no trial. There's no trials going on. Henry and uh, we see Henry and Sam enter a building. Um, there's gunshots ringing out in the streets behind them. They meet Edelstein, climb up to the attic that we also saw in the previous episode. And this is the safe house that the, the man was talking about. And Edelstein is telling uh, Henry and Sam, that, hey, this is safe. There's water. There's toilets. Um, uh, you can stay here for a while. And we also learn important information uh, coming off of the end of the previous episode that Henry's gun is empty. He's bluffing, He's flat yeah. out bluffing. So Henry's plan is to sneak out through the tunnels, which Edelstein thinks, why don't you just hang yourself here in this <laughs> He literally says that. It's a very dramatic. He's like, like, just kill yourself. It's a terrible Um, idea. We will find out why later. Yes, we will. Uh, Edelstein then asks if Sam, the boy, is scared. And Henry's like, yeah. I mean, he saw 25 murders tonight. (laughs) Many, many murders. Yeah. Uh, And then Edelstein says, he's scared because you're scared. So Henry takes the hint and goes to ease the boy's mind basically saying, hey, look look at how brave I'm being. I'm not scared of this. I'm not scared of mm-hmm. what's going on. And he gives uh, Sam a big bag of crayons uh, and the boy starts to decorate the area. We see the drawings, of course, at the end of the previous episode. Um, but I think there's something really affecting. Like, it really got me. This, like, it just shows you. So he's drawing illustrations of this superhero yeah. um, called Savage Starlight. Uh, wears a red mask and a, has a costume much like Superman. And it just kind of shows you, like, the power of the superhero fantasy, of the yeah. idea that there is a powerful person who's not going to misuse their strength and who's going to do the right thing and who's going to mm-hmm. come and save people. And it must feel—Henry must feel so powerless in this moment just a flesh and blood person doing his best surrounded by these pictures that are like the embodiment of this fantasy that Sam has, Mm -hmm. that someone, some hero can just put a stop to this. Yeah. And I think something that's really interesting too is like, I love that because it is, 
this this idea of this comic book superhero kind of becomes really important this episode. But also I think something that's very interesting is um, the pictures that Sam is drawing and painting, they include the superhero like killing Fedra. Like yeah. this is like, it's, it's, it's both sides. Like he is seen violence from both sides but a lot of his dream was like this superhero would come and kind of get rid of Fedra and get rid of this fascistic force and it's this really heartbreaking reality of of what that ended up looking like and the fact that yeah. now the person that Sam wanted to save them somebody stopping Fedra is now the person who's hunting them down and yeah the visuals the visualization of this drawing and the drawing that I'm assuming the actor did because we see him doing them are like yeah, beautiful. so beautiful and really moving. And they also remind you that this is just a kid. Yeah. Like this is an eight-year-old kid, you know? And it's, oh yeah, just really, really powerful stuff. And these two actors who portray these characters Wonderful. are just such good casting. Like it's Lamar Johnson as Henry and Kevon Woodward as Sam. And it's just like... It's just like Bill and Frank. You want to see more of them. You want to see more. You want to see more. X-Ray Vision will be back. We're excited to announce the return of Stuck with Damon Young, an original podcast from Crooked and Spotify. On this show, award-winning author Damon Young has returned for more off-the-cuff conversations inspired by today's most culturally relevant headlines and roundups of Damon-approved listener-submitted questions. He's joined by some of the brightest minds and bold voices of the Black community, including Kisei Lehman, Roy Wood Jr., Elaine Welteroth, Nicole Hannah-Jones, and more. The trailer is live right now, and the first episode drops February 16th. Listen to Stuck with Damon Young for free, only on Spotify. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Ashley's Memorial Day sale is going on now. Shop our biggest selection of hot buys, cool deals, or shop limited-time savings on new summer spaces. Plus, get 72-month special financing on select in-store mattress purchases made with your Ashley Advantage Synchrony credit card between May 14th and June 3rd. Whether you're redecorating indoors or rethinking your outdoor space, save big on this season's trending styles. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. No minimum purchase required. See store for details. And we're back. We fast forward 10 days. The pair are down to their last can of food. Henry looks outside and the roundup of collaborators, even 10 days later, is Mm -hmm. continuing. And it's this very like, there's like tanks driving down the street on timing. This is like become a military, as much of a military operation as Fedra. You can tell like they're ready to keep this town. Oh, yeah. No matter what. I said it before, and it's a thing that I've talked about in other pods, but it's like you don't. You don't think about uh, an enemy as a person or a group that you have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. But it, but the relationship between antagonists is a very real one. And in this case, just like in many cases, the enemy created the mirror image of itself that is yes. now taken over. Like yes. for whatever, whatever the 
the high-flung ideals of freedom and a return to safety and security that that sparked this revolution were, they've become FEDRA. They yeah. are, for all intents and purposes, the thing that they overthrew. Um, uh, Sam, meanwhile, 10 days later, continues to draw. He's passing time with his art. And all the while, Kathleen's people are getting closer, getting closer, getting closer. And Edelstein hasn't been back in a while. He went out and to get not, food and it doesn't look not like he's back. coming back. May not return. Sam flat out is like, he's dead, isn't he? And Henry's like, probably, yeah, he's probably uh-huh. dead. Um, sometime after this, Henry is like, Sam, we got to leave. Um, we have to leave. And I know that's scary, but here again, Henry trying to be that superhero is like, don't worry, because I've analyzed almost like it, almost like in a video game, you know, like I've analyzed the patterns that yeah, the he's like I've watched them every day. Like yeah, I, know. I know, I we know can make it they, on foot. We can, yeah, do it. we can do it. We can get past them because I've watched their patterns. And you trust me, I can, you know, don't worry, I can do it. Um, and again, they embrace, they hug, and they're surrounded by these drawings. And there again, you get this feeling of, of how small and weak Henry has to feel with this incredibly heavy burden that he has surrounded by these images of what that the person he's sworn to protect, you know, dreams about, which Mm -hmm. is just like a person who would come and protect them. Yeah. And it's this really heartbreaking kind of evolution as we get through the episode too, because we come to see that and learn that Henry in no way sees himself as a hero. He sees himself as the bad guy. So to constantly have his brother like dreaming of this heroic figure or seeing Henry as this heroic figure is like really a heartbreaking thing. So they're getting ready to leave their safe house when they hear a screech of tires and gunshots. And this is the sound of the ambush of Joel and Ellie. And Henry watches all this unfold through the window. And he turns to Sam as he watches Joel, you know, in Henry's mind, easily dispatch, like, two of Kathleen's militia. He turns to Sam, he says, new plan. So now we're back where we left off in the previous episode. Henry and Sam, they get the drop on Ellie. Henry has his gun on Ellie. Sam has his gun on Joel. Um, And Henry immediately feels that Joel is the danger. So he's like, hey, uh-huh. look at me. Listen, we're not here to hurt you. Um, we can help each other. We haven't hurt you at all. Like, we didn't shoot you. I'm going to put my gun down and then, you know, we can have a truce, right? We can just, yeah. you, you know, like, was that okay? And it's very obvious that Henry has not done shit like this before. He doesn't know what to do in a situation <laughs> like this. And it's also obvious just by Joel's demeanor that he's a hard ass. That he's a, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has seen him kill guys, like, just the other day. Yeah, but, but it's even also, just, like, in the moment, he is not scared. Like, if Joel wanted to disarm scared. these kids, he could disarm them. Uh, so when Joel is, like, to Henry's query of, like, hey, so I'm going to put my gun down, it's cool, right? When Joel says, like, okay like The Undertaker <laughs> or something. Henry gets really and rightfully nervous and is like, hey, uh, uh, it's really weird the way you said okay. And Ellie's like, no, no, no. He's just got like resting asshole voice. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he can't like, help it. He, he can't he help being like that, right, Joel? 
Um, so Henry's like, okay, fine, I'm going to trust you. Um, but if you try anything, like, I'm going to shoot Ellie. Of course, now again, Henry's gun is empty. Henry then tells Joel uh, that he and Sam are brothers and that he is the most wanted man in Kansas City. The militia out there, they're searching, they're looking for him. Although right now, Joel and Ellie are probably, you know, number two. You're running a close second, he says. Uh, later, they eat off Joel and Ellie's supplies and Ellie introduces herself and and makes really effective small talk the way that kids just can. Uh-huh. You know, like these are, they immediately fall in together as people, as peers, people broadly in the same age group. And you can tell that Ellie just like delights in being around Sam. And, She's and so happy versa. to see Sam and just yeah. for the pair of them to kind of, to have somebody who's more on her level, who also gives her someone to kind of like look after. And yeah. also is not Joel, who is, like, really cranky all the fucking time. (laughs) So they're having this dinner, and Ellie's introduced herself to Henry and Sam. She's asked Sam how old he is. There's this nice little rapport building, and then Ellie hits Joel in the leg, like, are you going to introduce yourself? And (laughs) Joel's like, I'm Joel. Uh, Listen, (laughs) uh, we didn't kill each other. Let's call this a win-win and get out of here. (laughs) Um... To which Henry is like, no, I have an offer. Um, Clearly, you two, Henry says, came up here to find a way out of the city. I know the way. I know the way out of the city. And I I promise tomorrow I will tell you what it is. So the next day, it's light. Uh, We see that they're in like a conference room of what was formerly like a business office. And they're looking out at the streets of Kansas City. There are Humvees going up and down, Kathleen's people. And, um, you know, Henry's like, welcome to... What, what does he call it? Welcome Killer to Killer City. City. Killer, KC, City. Killer City. KC. And uh, apparently, KC Fedra was the worst of the worst. It's unclear, uh-huh. like, how much coordination and command and control there is in Fedra. Yeah, like, it, it, it seems, seems pretty like clear people that, got dropped in and then it was just like, survive. Yeah, and it seems pretty clear that each Fedra that controlled whatever QZ was just kind of doing its own thing. Without any kind of oversight, you know? And the baseline was terrible. Like, if we look at the Boston QZ, they were just hanging people for leaving the QZ. And right. it seems like, in spite of how bad that was, we this also, is worse. This is worse. <laughs> this is worse. Um, so Henry talks about it. He says, you know, this was the worst of the worst. The, the Fedra here were rapists, murderers. Their reign of terror went into effect like the moment basically Mm -hmm. the QZ was built and he says something I think very important here he says what happens when you do that to people the moment they get a chance they do it right back Um, and that's what's going on now Henry then tells Joel that listen I'm not Fedra I'm kind of worse I'm a collaborator and Joel's like I don't work with rats today you do Henry says (laughs) because uh, I know this city and he goes about proving it can I just say Joel is a hypocrite, yeah? Because I oh, saw yeah. that. Come on. I saw that bitch doing deals with Fedra. With like, I know he didn't. I know he, like, I get it. He's not a snitch. He's not a... He, he has an, inf- but, but he has he an was, informed on people. He has an informed on people. But I saw him, like, giving Fedra drugs, getting ration cards, well, sneaking. <laughs> it's it's the levels of what you have to do to survive. And we he learned did, that Henry has weighed this. This has weighed heavily on him, what he had to he do. He did very, very recently admit that he ambushed and murdered innocent people. Exactly! Right? Who is so he? So, Joel... High come off, his, come off yeah, your high Joel, horse. Joel riding the smallest high horse ever witnessed. 
Um, <laughs> also, this guy is like a teenager as well. Like, yeah, that's the other on. thing. I'm like, Joe, you're like 56, bro. Like, you probably ratted on people when you were a teenager. Though, you know, not to defend collaborators. I think there's, I think this is one of the most interesting thing about this episode is like, it's all about this horrifically morally gray area of like, what you do for survival. And at no point are they like, this is the right thing or this is the wrong thing, other than like Kathleen's vengeance has obviously like consumed her. But there is this really interesting pull and push in this episode about yeah, I agree. The, the the lengths people will go to survive and how that can be like weaponized. Yeah, you're absolutely right on the kind of scale of immoral behavior. Mm-hmm. For some reason, we f- we... Joel ambushing innocent people to take their clothes and food and guns and whatever else they had somehow feels maybe because it's more active mm-hmm. in in the you know within the context of we did what we had to do feels like more actively doing what you had to do that feels somehow more honorable mm-hmm. if that's the right mm-hmm. word because you're doing it doing yourself. what you had to do by informing on people who will then go out and do the thing that you were too weak or unarmed to do yourself. Informing on people to survive when those people were probably just doing what they had to survive. Yes. It's this It's this really horrible kind of Auroboros cycle. But yeah. I think they do a really interesting job, as we'll, we'll learn a bit further in this episode, of really expanding mm-hmm. on that space with Henry's story and making... he He essentially becomes like the person with the un... the unchoosable task... That's yeah. like, they they do a great job of building it into empathy. He is not one of these people who was, you know, informing on his neighbors to get an apple. Like, there's so much more to it. But I love the way that they kind of have that reaction from Joel. But then we get to see, just like in the game, Henry is really the first person that it feels like Joel kind of opens up to. Even more yeah. than like Ellie. Like, there's this kind of unexpected connection there, probably because of these caretaker roles. Yeah, very clear parallels. Uh, Joel asks a really important question, which is, why are you doing this? If you know the way out, then just fucking go. Uh, And Henry's like, because you're good at fighting and I'm not. Mm -hmm. And the way we're going to go is really dangerous. So now I'm going to tell you what it is. And also, my gun is not loaded, so... And I've never, I've never like, <laughs> yeah. physically killed anyone, so, so I need you. Yeah, I need you because, like, you, you're good at this. And then um, Ellie is like, yeah, we killed two clickers on the way out here. He's like, see? Like, you killed two clickers? That's, like, He's incredible. He's like, you saw and a that, clicker and you survived? Like... That is such a great... It, it's such a small thing, but a really important moment to let you know how the really, really fierce Joel is in a mm-hmm. fight. Uh, and of course, we're going to see it at the end of this episode. Uh, so then Henry tells him how they're going to get out. He draws a map, basically a box of four highways uh, in which they are the middle. They are inside that box in the former QZ, which is now controlled by Kathleen's forces. And what they need to do is get across one of these highways out to the river Cross the river to safety, um, but they can't do it above ground. The way they're going to have to go is below ground. These maintenance tunnels that were built to connect various properties that were once owned by the same real estate developer. And so then Joel again is like, well, "So why? What do you need me for?" You Sounds good. Like, yeah, yeah, go you... ahead and do it. And then, yeah. and then Henry <laughs> gives him the bad news. Okay, so uh... there's no infected here, as you've noticed. 
Uh, Fedra, he says, drove them underground 15 years ago and haven't let them up since. Only good things those fascist motherfuckers did. Um, but good news, Henry says. The tunnels are empty. How do I know? Uh, someone told me. <laughs> I haven't yeah, been doing like them someone myself. told me like three years ago. This is, I actually love this because there's two things I really love about this. One, it's a really cool explanation for yeah. the evolution of the infected. It's like such a cool idea. And if you've ever read Max Brooks' uh, World War Z, which I just think is like one of the best like sci-fi horror it's books fantastic. ever written, there is a whole plot line about how a certain country, when the zombie apocalypse happened, basically they hid all that. They, they all moved underground. But then the rumor has it that basically the reason no one ever heard from them again, even after other places started to recover, was because a zombie had gotten in. And it's this idea of all these people living underground who've been infected. It's it's such a scary vision. And something else that I found that was really cool after I watched this episode is that Kansas City actually does have like real <laughs> ancient underground maintenance tunnels. So I, I thought That's that so was cool. a really cool addition. But yeah, I love that. Like the idea that Fedra, this Fedra was so brutal that they actually managed to essentially like rid their city of infected. That's like unheard of it sounds absolutely bonkers but it tells you something about them and of course you know henry's like oh it's all good now like three years ago they cleared it out like sure uh sounds too good to be true my friend Uh, but here's the upside here's the actual upside henry tells them kathleen's people won't be there they're not gonna be looking in the tunnels Mm -hmm. no one there everybody's too scared to go down there uh and you guys are really good you killed two clickers you can handle it so they head out uh, down through the lobby of an office building, into the basement, and down again into the tunnels. Um, Joel and Ellie, after what they have already been through in their short time together, are already on edge. Um, f- Henry is just like, chat- hey, hey, look, it's empty down here. And they're He's both going like, great. shut the fuck <laughs> up. Joel, of course, is not convinced. He just tells them, hey, be ready to run. So they move through these tunnels quite a long ways until they get, quite surprisingly, to this area, this con- like a concrete box with a door on the other side, and the concrete walls are painted with scenes as if from a kindergarten or a grade school, mm-hmm. you know, happy children, giant flowers, a golden castle, there's a door. They go through the door and it's the remnants of an elementary school that was built yeah. underground. Joel says, I read about places like this. People went underground after outbreak day. Um, and very interesting to read the whiteboard behind them. There's a whiteboard with the message, the rules of the school still up. One, make sure the doors are locked. Two, ask for the password if you don't know the visitor. Three, no shouting or noisy play. Four, run to the hiding spot when you hear the alarm. And Joel thinks, well, an infected must have. Somebody didn't there. follow yeah. the rules. And yeah, I thought there was a great moment when they first see this like beautiful painted kind of mural. Sam is so excited as an artist yeah. and he kind of runs ahead. And you get this great moment from Joel where you know that Joel of like four days ago would have just, that kid would have been the canary in the coal mine, but he stops him. And he pushes him back and he goes back in front and he's getting a little bit more of that caring. There's something about the idea of looking after these kids in a way he couldn't look after Sarah that is really changing who he is. And I thought this was such a cool, spooky addition 
this kind of empty grade school that feels like it's going to be this creepy Resident Evil type space, but actually ends up being almost like a sanctuary for them for a little bit. It's a really smart inversion of kind of what we get, what we expected. Sam and Ellie find a Savage Starlight comic and then just bond over it. She tells him that she has issues 4, 5, 6, and 11. He has issues 5, 6, and 8. They, uh, you know, kind of uh, reference the um, the tagline of this series, which is Endure and Survive. Um, and at Ellie's urging, really, with Henry agreeing it's a good idea, they decide to stay there until dark when they can move around above ground more safely. Ellie and Sam pass the time playing together and Joel and Henry, as you mentioned, start kind of like opening them up up to each other. And Joel, already a different guy, I think, than he Mm -hmm. was a Mm -hmm. few days ago, uh, basically apologizes. Like, hey, I didn't know your situation. If you collaborated to help him, I get it. Like, we've all done things. Yeah, he's like, I shouldn't have judged you. Yeah, I shouldn't have judged you. And then Henry is like, oh, yeah, well, what do you think about this? I didn't just collaborate. I didn't just inform. I informed on a great man, a great and charismatic leader. Sam got sick, leukemia. The only drug that could save him was, of course, controlled by Fedra. And so to get it, I informed on this person. And this person the leader and I guess figurehead of the KC resistance movement was Kathleen's brother, which is, we learn now why she's after him. And he says, still think you should take it easy on me or am I the bad guy? And he says, he says, I'm sure I'm the bad guy because I did bad guy stuff. Um, And Joel doesn't say it, but you can also tell there's a bunch of different emotions going across Pedro Pascal's face here, but you can definitely tell that, one is disgust at what happened, and also mm. you did what you had to do. Yeah, he's, um, he's accepting of this kind of horrible story that he has to tell. And there's something, you know, Henry explains that this guy, like, always forgave. He was always kind. He he had yeah. been leading this movement and had this kind of, this love for all the people in his community. But, you know, as we're going to find out, he led the revolution, but he didn't lead them to revolt. That was Kathleen. So it's like, you know, this Henry unintentionally kind of inspires the actual revolution by by informing on on this man who, you know, meant so much. But he did it for like, like we were saying earlier, like this is a choice you would never want to have to make. Watch your eight, you know, child, a child die because the government is withholding their medication and you can get that medication if you just make one choice. It's all about this idea of you have to sacrifice one life for another, you know, and it's it's such a heartbreaking kind of expansion. But like you said, Joel, Joel isn't judging him. There's and, no judgment. You know, honestly, it would have been. You can't make any excuses for what it's clear that Fedra did, but the actions of Kathleen's forces in their victory also show that, like. Okay, well, kind of what's the difference? Like, I, I this story, this episode really made me think about how whether someone's a hero or a villain really depends on when you meet them. Mm-hmm. You know, when yeah. when in your when in their story do you arrive? Um, because 
you know, where we arrive with Joel is he's a hero because mm-hmm. we never saw him mm-hmm. ambushing and killing untold numbers people. of innocent people. We see Henry as a hero because though he did something horrific and and indefensible, he's also a completely powerless person trying to protect his brother on the run yeah. from maniacs with guns. Kathleen, maybe if we had met her two weeks ago, we would have been like, what an when inspiring... When she was supporting her brother. What an inspiring yeah. leader. Yeah, like, and now it's like she's power mad and vengeful and, like, not doing the thing that will actually help her community. Like, mm-hmm. this is a personal grievance. You should be rebuilding. Why are you doing this? Um, there's also an important moment here in this exchange where Henry can just immediately tell that Joel was once a father because mm-hmm. of the way he's, like, protecting Ellie, even though he knows that they're not related. Um we go back to Kathleen, who is hanging out in the Fedra orphanage where her and her brother were raised. Uh, Perry finds her there. Uh, he has no information for her, no idea where Henry is, no idea where Joel is, no nothing. Um, and he says that he asked, you know, people have been looking for her, that nobody had any idea where she was, and they had to talk to her mom to figure out that she'd be here. And then Kathleen starts reminiscing about her brother and how. And he really did seem like a great guy. You know, he um, acted as her protector. He did, you know, he begged her to forgive her enemies. That he was like basically the last thing that he said to her was when like, he Don't. was in prison. He said, "Forgive Henry." Yeah, like he did what he had to do. Just forgive him. But she know, and she knows that like her brutality and her violence and all these terrible things she's done are things he would hate. Like if he was here, he would be so disappointed in her. And she assumes that Perry is there to basically say to her, like your brother would say, leave Henry alone. Like, let's just build, let's make things better. But nah, Perry's in. He's he's all in on the Kathleen train. And this is the, this is the danger of violence is like, again, like no one can, it must have felt good and just and right. And indeed, mm-hmm. it probably was to rebel against Fedra and take them down. At the same time, the people who are called to violence are often like the least stable and worst people, you know. And uh, and Kathleen is definitely not the person who you want to be following in a post-revolutionary like yeah. post-apocalyptic. She, uh, she took community. the following her brother had and utilized because her brother died 10 days yeah. ago, you know, and then the revolution happened. Like it was within that time frame. That is the reason Kathleen is the leader. The, what did your brother do? He was great, but he didn't overthrow Fedra. You overthrew Fedra it. because you, you were that. so violent and angry and consumed by this vengeance that you could and you enlisted the people around you who had followed your brother to do it. It's a it's a very interesting character study. And obviously Melanie Linsky is like, incredible she brings a an almost like she brings a pettiness to what is a very Mm -hmm. important clearly like you know existential matter and i think it says so much about her character she's just like aggrieved Mm -hmm. she's like really hurt and angry and also is just in charge of like a what is a very very dangerous like mob of armed Mm -hmm. people yeah it's such clever casting, too, because it's like, and this is what Melanie's always been great at from Heavenly Creatures to Yellow Jackets. Like, 
people see her and you're like, oh, that's someone who's like a mom. That's like my mom. Yeah. Like, so to see her in this midst of this rage, it's not like some tattooed zombie survivor with one arm. Like, this is just a woman who looks like a really normal white woman. In a, yeah. and, and she's just been absolutely consumed by this fury. And like you said, that pettiness, that aggrievedness. So when you see her, you know, I saw a few people who were like, I don't know if I buy it. Like, da, 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 da. And I'm like, that's your own conception of what somebody like that can be like in this. Yeah. The whole point of this character in this story is like, how would this affect normal people and make yeah. them behave? And in Kathleen's case, it's this kind of nightmarish vengeance, which will eventually destroy her entire community. X-Ray Vision will be back. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay, leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. And we're back. Finally, Henry and the group emerge from the school and they come out on the other side of the highway through a parking garage. They're in a suburb now. It's night. No one around. Henry is extremely proud of himself, and he should be. He actually should be. I have to say, that's yeah, a, a supremely like, great fake out by the show, too. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is it. Like, they're going to be underground. It's going to be like the subways in the game. Like, they're going to have to be killing the zombies. No, this actually legit, like, was a great plan. Great plan. It worked. What, what can you say? Joel, of course, would like everybody to shut the fuck up because also they're true. close to the river. They're close to the river, but they're not there yet. Um, and then Ellie, surprising Joel, invites Henry and Sam to come with them to Wyoming. Joel, you can just tell, is he's like a no. hard no on that. But before they can really discuss it, shots ring out. Uh, a sniper in a house at the end of the street, and they're hiding behind a car kind of pinned down, Joel tells Ellie, okay, you guys stay here. I'm going to go around, sneak on top and, you know, sneak up to that house and, and take the sniper out. This guy has bad aim. And also he's wasting like a ton. This guy's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's spraying bullets. This is a very interesting part of that, like the reality of how this would happen. Like, sure, Kathleen yeah. has this petty vengeance kind of fueling her. And Perry seems to have some kind of military training. But not everybody in Kansas City in this community would have that. Like, yeah. she knew the doctor. These are people they've known their whole lives. And some people aren't going to be trained to be a sniper. This man's just wasting the bullets. He's shooting. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I do believe that I, I like Joel's idea and also gets us in this really great position of, like, enacting one of the, the really, like, intense parts of the game. But also... I don't necessarily think Henry and Sam are wrong. If they'd have just done the zigzag run, they all could have probably gotten away. I think <laughs> like, that's probably right. He, he really was not a good shot. Just it. fuck and hide behind the cars. 
But John wants to murder someone. It's been a while. He does. And (laughs) And also, like, there's an important moment here where... As Joel is leaving, Ellie's like, no, don't do this. It's this stupid. Uh-huh. And he's like, do you trust me? And she does. I yeah, mean, that's she take, a huge... there's like a moment, but then she nods. And it's just like, there's something there. And she doesn't want him to go. She doesn't want to be alone. She doesn't want to not have Joel at her side. It's, it's a big moment, definitely. It was a big and very, very touching moment. You know, as you know from playing the game, you got to get that sniper rifle. Yeah, you got it. You got it. You got to acquire it. I actually found it really interesting because there's so much of this episode narratively, especially with Sam and Henry, that's so directly yeah. taken from the game. But there's also quite a lot of diversion with Kathleen and with Kansas City instead of Pittsburgh. And then you end up in this situation where as soon as they get to that street of cars, I was waiting for the sniper. You because knew I knew that it was going to... I knew that Joel was going to... And that's when my heart started to sink because it meant I knew the way the episode was ending. And um, But yeah, yeah, you got to get in there. And I love this because this, this moment as well, like you know, when Joel gets into the house, it is just, it's a really great telling character moment of the kind of Joel that we have in this. Joel is tired in the game, but he's not really tired emotionally or soulfully of killing people it doesn't feel like. It's more just like, oh, this sucks. I wish I didn't have to live in the zombie apocalypse. But in this moment when we see him and he sees that there's this old man with bad aim and he says to him, he's like, just give me the gun. And stay in your position and just don't tell anyone that I was here. And then the guy turns to him and Joel's like, don't try and shoot me. Joel doesn't actually want to kill someone in that moment. I take it back. He actually <laughs> is like, he is heartbroken. He doesn't want to kill another person. He, This is an old man. He's like, don't do it, my friend. He's like, just don't do it. Joel sneaks over, as you mentioned, gets the drop on the old man, gives him the opportunity. He's just like, just give me the gun and sit in this room for an hour. That's all you got to do. Don't douche. And then the guy doesn't, so he kills him. And then everything seems like it's going to be great, but then Uh -uh. a radio cracks to life, and you hear Kathleen's voice, and the guy called called it in. He already called Kathleen. He already called it in. And so Kathleen's forces are, they're, like, right here. So Joel yells out the window, run. Kathleen has a convoy of trucks and then the lead truck is like this garbage truck with like a plow on the front mm-hmm. and it's just like pile driving wrecks out of the way. We get this great action sequence where Joel snipes the driver just like in the, you feel like you're just yeah, like in you the game. you feel like you're just in the game and this time is like there's more of Kathleen's people are coming and you're yeah. just thinking like when are the when are the infected going to show up? Because that's the next people that you got to snipe. Yeah. But this truck's just pile driving. There's this huge. You think Ellie's going to get caught? She, you know, she kind of she has this moment where she falls over when in front of the truck after Joel saves her, and you and you see someone grabbing her, and you're like, oh no! But it's Henry. Henry goes so the- out of his way to save her life, and he pulls her behind the truck. And I think in that moment when Joel sees Henry do that. There's like a switch that flicks yeah, inside of him. He's like, okay, these uh, I have to go all out to save yeah. everyone. So the truck that was chasing them blows up and crashes into the front of a house. And as this <laughs> is happening, all of Kathleen's people are pouring out of their cars. There's like a, there's like 150, 200 people out in the so street. So many people. This feels heavily. like it might be all of them. Like it, she, might be, it, it feels it like from what we saw might. of the revolution, this is everyone. Like they're so consumed. It's the it's the mob with the pitchforks. Yeah, and you they know. are angry. Kathleen calls to Henry. She's like, "Hey, just like come out and let's just deal with this." Um, 
he doesn't. He wants to some assurances that like Sam and Ellie are going to be fine. Like, first of all, Ellie's not involved in this. And second of all, Sam's a kid. And she's like, no, no, we're going to kill him. Sorry. <laughs> There's, they're definitely dead. Yeah. So that's not even on the table. <laughs> she tells him and you realize, OK, Kathleen is if you needed any more, you know, uh, proof, you now know that Kathleen is just way, yeah. way, way and far she gone. Goes she's on this, a like, murderer. unhinged kind of Final Destination-esque rant yeah. where she's like, what if kids die God, all kids the time? Kids die all the time. What if, what if Sam was supposed to die? And this is you getting what your comeuppance is because you fucked around with fate. She thinks yeah. she's death, the angel of death here to, you know, kill Henry and, and avenge her brother, though it's not going to make anything better or change anything she, other than add two more notches to her her bloody belt. Yeah, you can really hear, get the sense that she is dr- fucking drunk on power. Yeah. Be, or at least getting drunk. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you start talking about fate and you messed with fate and kids just, you know, can die, who cares? Like, they die all the time. That is just too much. And I'm like, Joel, can you just, like, shoot her right now? I, like, just I do was shocked Please shoot her. <laughs> he was, I guess you kind of get these shots of him looking and he's trying to, like, kind of work out yeah. what the lay of the land yeah. is. And, like, obviously if he shoots her, maybe people are going to know where the yeah, sniper nest be, is. Yeah. But there's this moment when, so Henry steps out because he's brave and he's like, he tells Ellie, like, you're going to take Sam, you're going to run. And he steps out into the open. And I have to say, this is why Melanie Linsky deserved... That Emmy. This is why she's so good in Yellow Jackets. Heavenly Creatures, like one of my favorite movies. But in this moment, when she looks at Sam with that gun, she looks upset. Like she looks sad in her eye that she is going to kill him, but she's still going to do it. But there is this moment, there's like tears in her eye and you can't tell if it's because she's like so happy she's found him or she realizes that he is just a scared kid with his hands up. But in that moment, I was like, oh shit. I was like, Joel's going to snipe her. He's going to snipe her before she can do it. But no. But no. Fate fate came into play. (laughs) Uh, The truck that is on fire starts sinking into the ground. uh, And it falls through a massive hole. And And everyone's looking over it like, oh. Like, oh, fuck. And you hear this roar of what you know can only be, be infected. And they come fucking pouring out of the hole. And it's everything. It's the runners. It's clickers. It's, it's clickers. Multiple and also, clickers. There almost there's like this even more exasperated, like even more like accentuated hive mind. Like they come out of there like an explosion. It's yeah. completely different to anything we've seen before. And it is so good and so scary. If you've been waiting for that horror movie, Resident Evil, Here Night of the Living, this is it. You're, this is like they're spewing everywhere. This is an episode that's all about like reflections. And we've been seeing that since really episode three. But like they do this really interesting thing where we see the zombies killing all the people and it looks exactly the same as when they were killing the Fedra collaborators oh, yeah, at was, the beginning. That's a great point. Like you have, you had people holding onto the Fedra collaborators and cutting their throats and you have the zombies and they're uh, the infected and they're eating, they're kind of on people's necks and it looks so similar and it's just this horrible kind of horrendous orgy of violence. And it's really sad because Ellie and Sam and Henry are hiding behind this car together again and there is a great moment for them to just run but they're so shocked and so scared that they don't really know what to do kathleen's people open up on these infected and i just want to say that first of all kathleen's 
folks were kind of in a horseshoe pattern and were clearly shooting each other. Like, yeah, there yeah, was yeah. a lot of friendly fire happening it's not, in this case. Again, it's not, this is the thing. They didn't plan this. Th- yeah. This was a this was driven by vengeance. They they don't a lot of them don't have training. This was a terrible idea. They shouldn't have all been there. And lest we not forget, Kathleen knew that there were infected under the ground. She knew that there was something wrong. And she didn't say and anything. she didn't say anything. And she this is that the tunnel vision that she had for Henry. No pun. Led intended. to this. No, no pun. No <laughs> pun. Um, and, and uh, you know, it led to this. And whew, it is just, this is such a great action scene. And it's so scary and frantic and frenetic. And it just is just, oh, it was just so effective. But the whole time in the back of my head, I'm like, I've played the game. I know where this episode's going yeah. and I don't want to see it. I do not so, want to see it. There's a, there's a, nice little sequence where Joel is covering Ellie as she's mm-hmm. like zigzagging through the streets and then you hear this bloated kind of burping Ooh. roar and if you played the game you know what's coming next it's a bloater which is the most the rarest of the super infected because it takes a, many many years for an infected to develop into this uh, a bloater is basically a tank on legs heavily yeah, armored the f- and the formations fungus is all over it, it. Yeah. all over it and, and it's like, um, it's punching people, like, and killing them. Like, it's this is a whole different kind of thing. This is a nightmare monster. There is a great, I don't know if this is purposeful, but I enjoyed it. So Perry is like, Kathleen, I'll cover you, get out of here. And then he stays back. Meanwhile, Ellie is, you know, zigzagging through the and streets. she's like and crawling course, on the floor through yeah. the dead bodies, like really and of cool. course. And of course, Bella has been in an action scene like this before, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the Battle of Winterfell episode at the last season of Game of Thrones. And she dies in that episode torn apart by a zombie giant. And Perry dies in the exact same way, <laughs> getting killed torn by the bloater. by the giant bloater. A lot of people were really excited to see the bloaters. They were like, we're halfway through. Like, how often we yeah. seen it? And they just delivered. This thing is terrifying scary it looks it looks so scary but the funniest thing is even amidst all of that you are just like where is kathleen where is kathleen because you just know that she is the most imminent danger out of all of these things it's her she is the one who will kill ellie and henry and sam if if anyone does so Ellie manages to escape from a little girl clicker, which is one of the most horrific things I've seen oh, in this show. Big, big contortionist style, like weird. Yes. Oh, yeah, really uh, creepy stuff. Yeah, very, very much of like the conjuring kind of feel. The the uh, the yeah, malignant. Uh, the uh, the, execu- know, the exorcism of of Emily Rose kind yeah, of like feeling your body. Whatever is inside your body possessing it. In this case, the cordyceps mushroom. They don't understand how a body is supposed to move so they can't and and this is a really great way that that's brought to life and ellie is just like she's scared but she doesn't she's a survivor ellie manages to get henry and sam who are hiding under a car to safety at you know stabs a bunch of infected and and, and kills them we, we get to see it. It was such a cool moment. And they're about to get away when Kathleen gets to the drop on them. Mm-hmm. And um, it is a very, very just moment when Kathleen, who moments ago was saying, well, maybe kids, maybe you should just let kids die sometimes. Maybe kids that are sick 
deserve to die because kids die every day, that the person who said that is then killed by a child clicker infected Mm -hmm. who leaps on her and just savages her. It is really, really You can't stop watching it. And Joel, Ellie, Henry, and Sam are also watching it because this is not like the bite. This is, these have gone feral underground because she is just like pummeling her face. Like, RIP to Melanie Linsky, you were great. I'll miss you. But Kathleen... Good, good our, heroes, our heroes managed to get out of there and the infected as a horde turned towards the city to, we can only imagine, you know, rampage through the streets mm-hmm. and kill everyone there. It's almost biblical, like yeah. this, this community, this city that is defined by vengeance, by like bloodthirsty vengeance is then like completely wiped clean by this force of nature, the cordyceps. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's hard not to feel like they kind of deserved it. <laughs> yeah, way, it's a know? really horrific thing because I truly back that they should have overthrown Fendra. And yeah, I, I do, but I'm yes. like, it, the question is, sadly, because of the death of Kathleen's brother, they didn't have anyone there to be like, well, now we've done that. Let's try and transform our situation and not just end up in the same cycle that we were in. Again, I mean, you know, you said something I think that was really that really resonated, which was how the violence of the infected that they were, you know, um, that they were utilizing against Kathleen's people really mirrored that night when uh, Mm -hmm. the, the resistance overthrew Fedra. And you're absolutely right. And I think what you know, we've been talking all series about how, like, what's one of the core themes of any zombie show is, like, the people are the real enemy, the real danger. And what's even as right as that is, what really shook me about that opening scene was, like, it's not just that, the first of all, the infected are doing what they're doing because that's what's in their nature to do. There's no malice. In yeah, no. They're just, they're just a, a force of nature. But the way that the Kathleen's people were going about like this execution and torture of people where they're like stripping them of their clothes. Uh Like, you know, there's a there's an element of I'm not just killing you. I want to humiliate you and rub your face in it before you die. I want to make it as painful and as terrible as possible. It's it's it was truly, truly horrifying. And it's like weirdly. And again, we've said it all series. It's worse than what the infected do Mm -hmm. in a. Uh, in a very real way. And it highlights, again, I love that thing you brought up about the nature of the infected, that idea of who gets to choose who lives and dies. The notion, of course, the infected are are running rampant, killing everyone. You want to kill them so you can survive. But there are bigger questions afoot here of, is this evolution? Is this the next stage? Is, Is this something? And how do humans behave when they then are not at the top of the food chain. Right. And suddenly it's like they don't just turn on the things that are above them, they turn on themselves. And it kind of exasperates the worst. This is definitely uh, one of the bleaker episodes of the season. It's quite bleak. It's really about like, it's about the horrors that we commit to ourselves and also about, I think the really sad thing about Kathleen's brother's death is like, there's something so powerful. I think a lot of us, are in a space where we think about this a lot now about like forgiveness and like what that means and whether it comes to the idea of like prison abolition or or forgiving somebody who has done you wrong in your personal life forgiveness can be like extremely powerful when it's put into play in a way that is like 
going to make a change. It's not a forgiveness and you let somebody fuck you over again. It's a forgiveness that makes everything better for everyone involved. And if Kathleen's brother had survived, there is a chance that they could have built a different Kansas City. And I, I think that that thread of forgiveness is so key because as we see it's also about like forgiving yourself, something that Henry yeah. never did before. And Henry still does not have the ability to do when he most needs to. And oh, it's just, it's a really bleak episode, but I understand the gut punch storytelling that they're yeah. going for. So our friends get across the river and they're posted up in an old motel. Joel and Henry still like high on adrenaline are bonding. Ellie and Sam are bonding in the other room. They're reading the Star Savage Starlight comic. Joel you know, what a change we've seen in him invites Henry and Sam to accompany them to Wyoming. He's like, yeah, you can come with us. We're going on foot, but you can come with us. Ellie and Sam, meanwhile, reading the comic and he asks her, have you ever been scared? And she's like, yeah, like I'm terrified all the time. I'm scared all the time. Uh, what about you? And then Sam asks a absolutely crushing question, which is if you turn into a monster, is it still you inside? And then he shows her, as those who played the game were expecting that he has been bitten. I want to stop here and say that you got to do bite checks oh when God. you encounter infected. I feel like just, this is like, like after before you get anyone's to going safe, to bed, I feel like yeah, that before anybody's happened. going to bed or anything, you get to a safe space check for bites. Mm -hmm. Let's just do that right now because yeah. you, maybe you didn't feel it because of the adrenaline. Let, let, let's make sure we do that. Then you can have a conversation like, is this walking yeah, dead rules? what are we going to do? Should we chop off yeah. a leg? Like, should we see how it's yeah. going to go? I will say, I love, I, I was really, I wanted Sam and Henry to have a different fate than they did in the game. But I understand that's one of the most affecting parts yeah. of the game. It's very affecting it. But they make little choices um, in the way that they tell this story that I love because in the game, I love it too. Um, Sam and Ellie kind of like, Ellie gives him a toy and Sam kind of yeah. like throws the toy on the floor and Ellie leaves. And in the morning, he's just, he is transformed. And and here, him and Ellie, he gets to share that fear with someone. And Ellie gets yeah. to reassure him. And she... And, and you see the goodness, the, the inherent goodness of Ellie, which yeah. is, I have this immunity... First of all, showing her his bite as a way to hope, you know, do the thing that Henry's been trying to do this whole time, which is give him hope. Yeah. Give him She's confidence. She's like, look, I, I'm give okay. Him, give him strength. Um, and she says, you know, my blood's medicine. And she cuts her palm open and starts rubbing the blood into the wound. This really almost primal, mm -hmm. you know, kind of attempt to heal him. Uh, and of course, man, I wanted it to work so I bad. Wanted work. I wanted it to work. I wanted I, it to be that. You version. wanted it to work. And I also want to give them so much uh, credit in this. So so Kavon, who plays Sam, is, is a deaf actor. And I love the way that throughout this episode, we have Sam teaching Ellie some signs, like they sign yeah. the title of the episode. That Ellie's making an effort to communicate. And the other way that Sam communicates is through like a... Uh, one of those erasable like kids boards yeah and it's like hard to put into context how emotional and affecting it is for these two people these two kids they're trying to communicate the most urgent thing he's he's asking her yeah. about these fears uh, this existential idea of like will i still be inside the zombie and ellie's like scrolling like my blood is medicine like to s the way that they yeah. decided to communicate this it just added a whole other layer of just emotion for me and so yeah and she also 
Yeah. And also the importance of like kids having their own community. You know, there is something mm-hmm. so special mm-hmm. about like they keep this secret. And of course, they can yeah. only keep it till morning, but they don't. There's no Joel. No, come Ellie, look at this. Ellie doesn't no, go in there. No, nope. there's no Henry. Come see. It's just like okay. And she sleeps on the bed next to him. Like she wants him to know that she believes that, that this is going to work. Um, but in the morning, he's sitting on the edge of the bed, and she goes and looks at him, and he's infected. He attacks her. Henry draws his gun to stop Joel from doing anything. He fires his gun at Joel's feet, saying, "Don't do it." Um, don't, you know, don't attack Sam. But Sam is, you know, really threatening Ellie now. And Henry, almost without thinking, almost instinctively yeah. shoots Sam and kills him. And he's inconsolable. He can't believe what he's done. He can't come to grips with it. And he turns a gun on himself and he and he kills himself. Later, Joel and Ellie bury the brothers. And Ellie places that scratch pad that she used to communicate with uh, with Sam on his grave. And it says, I'm sorry on it. And then a measure of how Ellie has changed in this, you know, few days of this journey that have occurred. She is just like a hardened person now. She's just like, okay, which way are we going? Yeah. Which way is she's, west? I'm out. She's taking in that I'm sorry, like that's when she lays down the board is almost like her saying goodbye to that like hopeful child who short, thought she could yeah. heal him. And now she's Joel. Which way is west? Yeah. She doesn't want to hear it. it. She doesn't, they've buried their friends. They they felt like they were building this family and yeah, I mean, this is this is one of the most absolute gut punch like moments of the game because you spend so much time with with Sam and, and Henry and you really in the game in different ways. But there's like this conversation that Sam and that Henry and uh, Joel have about motorbikes and motorcycles yeah. and Joel's telling him the feeling of riding a Harley and there's this kind of human connection that Joel makes there that you assume will have to extend further than yeah. uh, than where it does because then, you know, the next morning you, this whole kind of terrible thing plays out. Yeah, just so sad. And I, I was I was really bummed to see it go this way, but I understand, like, it was it's truly great television, this episode. Yeah. And I think it's going to leave a lot of people really heartbroken. It felt... Um... You know, this is an action episode, obviously with high drama, but it really makes you think like it really had me thinking about like revenge and how it's one of the most primal like feelings someone can have is I've been wronged. People I love have been wronged and I want to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And then you can, you know, there's a way to think about revenge is almost like the stone on which like rules and laws and justice can be built because it's that understanding that people will take revenge on you if you wrong them Mm -hmm. that creates the impetus to create these rules so that, you know, people can live in a kind of ordered and peaceful society. But when you just give yourself over to this feeling that is righteous, you know, you've been wronged and to to defend yourself against a wrong, especially one that goes on for years, is righteous. but when it turns into just like wanton killing, when you can't step back for and and say, let's talk, let's figure out who actually did the worst shit. It's, you yeah, know, it's like, not about the system for, yeah. for Kathleen, Fedra is almost irrelevant compared to the personal vendetta she has against Henry. That's what it is. And she actually says to Henry, she straight up says to him, she's like, 
I know why you did it. She's like, yeah. I don't care. He should have died. I mean, I think That's something point. that is really scary about this episode too that kind of contradicts our expectations. And this is probably a good setup for if you found this episode hard to watch or felt like it took a, a strange turn narratively that left you shocked. This is preparing you for where we're going this season. Oh, for sure. Because something that I think that is really harsh and kind of hard to stomach but real about this is um, Kathleen does kill Henry in the end. Like this yeah. is, if she hadn't have had this vengeful quest, if she hadn't have taken 200 people there, if they hadn't have taken the snowplow... Sam would have never got bitten. They would have been able to leave. And in that way, she actually creates this self-fulfilling prophecy of that fate still coming true. And I think... It's so true. I think in that moment at the end when Henry is so inconsolable, I actually found it to fit... I feel like it's more... In, in the game, it feels so shocking. And here, I feel like it's still as shocking and, and horrendous. But there's a lot more weight to the burden that he carries because he has essentially torn apart this community and this betrayed this man that he respected who he clearly had love for in order to save sam and then he still couldn't save him and i think that yeah, is just that's like heart it's heartbreaking i mean by that same token kathleen inherited this movement that her brother built and effectively destroyed it yeah. because she didn't obviously care built about for years. It. Yeah, she didn't care about the f movement. She didn't care about building a better world for the people that followed her brother's mission. She didn't care about the she people. She didn't care about. She didn't care about like fulfilling the thing, the goals, and the mission that all those people like believed in. All she cared about was taking revenge on the person that she felt was responsible for hurting her and her brother, and and providing a vehicle for the bloodlust of mm -hmm. her followers mm -hmm. like in a in a really in a very real way i think a part of the reason why the resistance decided to follow kathleen was that the thing that her brother didn't give his followers was an excuse to just yes. kill yes and she let them do it perry she almost gave says them that access. to her you know yeah. it's like it's like, yeah, she was the one who did the overthrowing, but it it's it's really what that means is like she gave them that space for yeah, vengeance. You made it okay. You yeah. your example said we can go out there and hang people in the street, strip mm -hmm. them nude and drag them from the backs of cars. Stab stabbed covered in knives. Covered in knife stabs, throat slit, tortured yeah. to death, set on fire, and you give us cover that that's fine, that uh -huh. that's righteous and that's good and we can do that. Um, it was really, really chilling. Really chilling and impactful episode. Wow. Um, R.I.P. Sam and Henry. I love you. Sam I'm sad Henry, that man. happened That was to heartbreaking. You. Yeah. Um, and you're absolutely right. This is going to get harder <laughs> before yeah. it gets easier, if it does ever get easier. <laughs> it's never going to be easier. <laughs> it's never going to be easier. <laughs> Up next, Nerd Out. In today's Nerd Out, where you tell us what you love and why, or like today, a theory that you are excited to share with us, which obviously we love both, but you know I'm a theory lover. Uh, Reed explains, now this is really interesting because you know I'm a big one about, oh, the comic seed things to go <laughs> in the movies. Reed has spotted an interesting pattern that you cannot deny. 
So here he's going to explain why the video games may be another important source of how Marvel is seeding things for the MCU. Jason, take it away. Okay, here it goes. Um, Reed writes, I keep thinking of the video games we've seen from Marvel over the last five years and how many of the characters who appeared in those games later appeared or were reintroduced into the MCU. The Spider-Man video game introduced Taskmaster and uh-huh. Miles Morales. The Avengers video game seated Abomination, Taskmaster, MODOK, and Kate Bishop, all of whom appeared or will appear in the MCU shortly. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy video seated Adam Warlock. The Midnight Suns video game is likely seating Blade, a new generation's Ghost Rider, and Magic, Magic with a K. And there's an upcoming Wolverine video game. Not a surprise at this point, but the X-Men are coming to the big screen based on the video game trend. My big takeaway, paying close attention to which character Characters appear in the Marvel video games seems to generally point you in the direction the MCU is going. I think that this is right. You the know, facts I, are there. I'm like, it's the undeniable. When you read it, you're just like, yeah. I think the facts are there. And I think, you know, we've seen this in other places, the toys with yeah. Lego. You know, I think that this is a outgrowth of corporate, some form of corporate brand synergy. Yeah. Uh, and I think that Reed is absolutely right. Yeah, that this, the, the, this is how we can tell they a, want, a broad direction of where the MCU is. They want are. people, they want as many people as possible to know these characters. So when the trailers yeah. come out and the merchandise comes out, people are excited to see them. They want every movie to feel like No Way Home or Multiverse of Madness, where those trailers were getting people excited. And if you want people to be excited, they need to know who the characters are. And not everyone is out here reading Jim Starling comics knowing who Adam Warlock is, (laughs) though you should, because, like, Adam Warlock's amazing. But, like, introducing him in a very popular video game, great, because when Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 comes out, people are going to recognize him. It's very smart. I think the Taskmaster one is what really sold me because... Yeah, me too. That is like a very much like you know them or you don't know them character. So yeah. Taskmaster is definitely not like... It's... uh, I I guess I would just say there are many villains that you think would be introduced before Before Taskmaster. Taskmaster. I totally agree. So the fact that Taskmaster appeared in the video games and then in the movies feels very notable to me as well. Yeah. Thank you, Reed. If you have theories or passions, which we know you do, but if you want to share them with us, hit us up at x-ray at crooked.com. Instructions are in the show notes as always. That's it for our show today, Rosie. Plug, 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 plug. I will have a cool, more cool Last of Us coverage coming out at IGN. I wrote a fun piece at Primetimer about the Harlequin uh, animated Valentine's Day special, which is coming out this week. It's really, really good. I reviewed it over there. It's very saucy and raunchy. So if you like rude <laughs> comedy, you'll probably love it. Uh, obviously, Ant-Man's coming out. So, you know, that's I'm going to be all over that. We're going to be talking about it. And as usual, you can find me here twice a week and at Rosie Marks on Instagram and Letterboxd. Catch the next episode Wednesday, February 15th, where we'll be talking about um, everything you're going to see over the course of Super Bowl Sunday, all those trailers, plus a primer on Ant-Man, head of Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. And of course, remember, two episodes a week, every Wednesday and Friday, in your ear noggins, twice the deep dives, twice the everything, Wednesday and Friday. 
Yes. And if you want to hear us other places or see us other places, subscribe on YouTube. You can now watch full episodes of the show. Sometimes we're on Zoom. Sometimes we are together. IRL. Shocking. Plus, <laughs> follow at XRVPod on Twitter, where you can see us retweeting cool stuff and interact with our rad social media masters. And check out the Discord to meet and hang out with a ton of amazing fans and listeners, plus Jason and I. And that Discord would not exist without Heidi, who is our amazing moderator, who also hooked up and a, a way for us to do really rad uh, giveaways. And Jason is about to announce the winner of our first ever giveaway. Speaking of that, <laughs> again, shouts to Heidi for creating the bot that allowed us to uh, randomly select the winner of the Last of Us activation pack, which includes a, a, a Carhartt backpack and a Carhartt jacket and a bunch of cool branded stuff within there. Drum roll, please. The winner of the Last of Us activation pack is Discord member Nate. Shout out, Nate. Congratulations. Email's on the way, and that pack will be heading to you next week. We'll be doing more giveaways yes. like that. So if you're looking for a place to find a community and would like to join the Discord, on top of the fact that there's really great people there, and we're there, and the conversations are super fun and really informative, um, you, get to, you get to win stuff. We're cool going to be doing stuff. more of these. Cool stuff. Five star reviews, five star ratings. We need them. We gotta have them. We love them. Here's one from So Very Kind Designs. Love the show. So excited. We have two episodes a week. Love all of Rosie's comic knowledge. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Oh, blushing, blushing, blushing. But yeah, five star reviews. We love them. Give them to we us. The more five star reviews, the more cool, weird comic book knowledge we will dig up. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by myself and Sandy Gerard. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Dylan Villanueva and Matt DeGroote provide video production support. Alex Relaford handles social media. Thank you, Brian Vasquez, for our theme music. See you next time. Bye-bye. For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in, like you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet, starting at $19.99 per month, offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to 1 gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com.